today. I love it. It's awesome, exciting. Alright, alright. Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2. Whatever you said, Javon. Alright, Philippians 2. Alright, Philippians chapter 2. Boy, I love uh, the, the spirit. You guys are all kinds of exciting today. and That's great. I love it. Now, don't fall asleep during the preaching, all right? Uh, that's all right. That'll be my fault, right? Okay, Philippians chapter 2. I, uh, I'm so thankful, so many wonderful people. I was, uh, Brother Mitchell was just mentioning the, the CD this morning, and I, I uh, had the opportunity to uh, record this morning with a, a group, and uh, that was a lot of fun and excitement, and uh, I enjoyed the special just now. You guys sound great. And uh, that's one of the tour groups this summer. Please be praying for them. Uh, I know how life goes. Everybody kind of gets really upset when they don't get chosen for tour. And uh, they think the world is going to come to an end. And life is just going to cease to exist. But I'll tell you this. I, uh, I tried out for tour when I was in college. I never, uh, I never had the opportunity or privilege to go when I was in college. And uh, I don't know, I, I guess I cried about enough, the Lord said, fine, if you really want to go, I'll just make you uh, someone to go for the rest of your life on tour during the summer. And that's been a privilege and an honor. I cannot believe all the amazing things that I've been able to see and enjoy. But I just want to encourage you, be in prayer. Uh, as Pastor so often mentions, a victory for one is a victory for all, and we ought to be thankful, we ought to be encouraged, we ought to, uh, we ought to do things. If uh, tour groups come in close to your church this summer, you ought, to, you ought to try to do everything you can to be there. You ought to encourage young people. You ought to do whatever you can to uplift and encourage. And that ought not just be for our tour groups. That, that ought to be for all tour groups. Uh, it is very uh, challenging to give up your summertime and to go out on tour. The, the, the schedule is very hard. It's very difficult. There's a lot of opportunities for excitable things to happen, vehicles breaking down, uh, hitting deer, doing all kinds of fun things, um, just thinking of all the fun things that have happened over the years. But you ought to pray. Uh, God has kept our college very safe, very blessed. We've been very privileged to not have anything major happen, uh, but that's all through the blessings of the Lord. And I uh, just want you, uh, if you are going on tour, I'll say this though, please, uh, don't you let that go to your head. Uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a danger. Uh, I don't want to talk about music today, but I'll say this, it, when you're given an opportunity to be put in a limelight, that uh, you, you ought to guard yourself even more because Satan knows that as soon as you get that limelight for a second and you just you let it glisten in your eye for just a moment, he's got you, and he's going to come after you with everything he has. And uh, that's um, very sad. I get very disheartened whenever I see it or hear it. And uh, I just want to encourage you uh, to stay true for God. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 1. And uh, we read here just a few verses. And... I'll be honest, I, I don't want to 
to, to, to be preachy today. Maybe I should. I, I want to help. I want to try to encourage. I know I'm, this is preaching time, but at the same time, I don't want to be beating you over the head because you, uh, you get that enough preaching. But I want you to learn something today, and I'm hoping to be an encouragement to help. Verse 1, it says, If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, and, and just interesting when you look at that word bowels and you study it, it the, the bowels always in uh, Hebrew culture, that was the part of the body that referred to mercy. And so this was just another example of God kind of saying it from two different angles. Uh, I want there to be some mercy. Verse number two, it says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love and your kindness that you give us. I pray that you'd please take these truths, these thoughts. Lord, I pray that they would be a help and a blessing. Uh, that, Lord, you would please just uh, shape the thoughts. Lord, help me to say what you'd want me to say. Lord, help me not to say it from, a, from a, a selfish or from what I want to say or what I'm trying to convey, but, Lord, what you uh, would have me convey. And, uh, Lord, I pray you'd just be with the young people, give them strength, help them this week, a busy time and programs starting this weekend and the, all the things that are going on. But, Lord, help us to just focus for these few minutes on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul writing one of his epistles here to, the, uh, to the, the Philippians, and he's trying to encourage them. If you look at Philippians, sometimes we forget that not all of these books of the Bible were written with chapters and verses. They were one letter that was written continuously, and it was to be read as one thought or one idea. And, uh, sometimes we kind of uh, get really uh, sectionized sometimes with Scripture because we look at certain things, and I, I really wish I had time just to look at the whole chapter because there's just so many great truths that when you tie chapter 4 and chapter 1 together, just how beautifully they intertwine and how God puts them together so beautifully and the ideas and the thoughts. But the main idea and thought from this part of the letter of the Philippines, uh, to the Philippians, excuse me, is that he's trying to encourage them to make sure they understand where they're at personally. And what I mean by that personally is that they understand what God is trying to teach them about their personal relationships and about their personal status. As we've seen in many of the, the passages that uh, Paul would write, his epistles, and even in Corinthians, he would write to the churches and he'd say, look, you know, sometimes you guys are, you're just getting a little bit too big for your own britches. You're getting... Uh, thoughts and ideas in your mind where you just feel like I, I've arrived, I've made it. Uh, uh, you start to teach things that you shouldn't teach. You start to take liberties. You start to do things that you really shouldn't. He says, let me get your attention redrawn here to what you should be doing, what you should be focusing on. He said, first of all, he says, I want all of us to have the same mind and same idea. He says, I want us all to be one-minded. Why? Because if you're double-minded, we know that from Proverbs, that's, that's not good. You know, you're like a city that's broken down without walls. I mean, people can just trounce all over you. You'll believe any uh, wile of the devil. You'll believe any 
type of doctrine that is teached. And that is a dangerous thing. He says, I want you to be one-minded because if you'll be one-minded, you'll start to think like Christ. And he starts off by talking about let nothing in verse 3 be done through strife or vainglory. You know, strife is that, that rubbing against something and it, and it doesn't go very well. It's sort of like uh, when you, one day, hopefully many of you will have kids and you'll buy different toys or you'll try to buy toys where the kids will put things together. And it's always fun trying to watch them and they get so angry when they're trying to put the circle in the triangle hole and it just doesn't work. And, and they put it there and they take the hammer and they just start smashing on it and they're so angry it's not going in the hole and they just scream and yell and they throw it across the room and you just look at them like, do you want me to do something about it? I mean, I'm not drilling a circle there. There's a one already there. You've got to figure it out. Sometimes uh, strife is that, uh, that discontention. You're trying to make something work and it's just, it's just not going to happen. You know, it's sort of like, um, well, let's not be that specific. But it's sometimes like when you go into a situation knowing that there's going to be some trials. I say that to say that there's been a few times in my life where I've stepped into a situation knowing strife was going to happen immediately. Uh, having the opportunity and the privilege to work security, sometimes that's what we do all the time. We walk into a very strife-filled situation and we try to bring a resolution. But when you walk into a situation where it's Christians, it's two friends, it's you walking into a situation where you know I've got my own ideas and agendas and I'm going to push them and they're going to do what I want no matter what. You're probably going to walk into that situation and the strife, it's going to be overflowing. And when that strife happens, nothing good ever gets accomplished when strife is at the center. Where there's just fighting and where there's bickering and anger and hatefulness because nothing successful will happen. But that's what we do sometimes because we walk in and we say, this is what I want. This is what I think about the situation. This is how I feel about the situation. I know I'm right and you're wrong, and let me tell you how you're wrong. That's dangerous because then it leads into that second thought, that vainglory. I'm thinking to make myself look like something, but what's the purpose? What are you ultimately trying to be successful when you do that? Well, I just want to show you how smart I am or how wonderful I am. Okay, I don't know that I really care how wonderful you are when you have that attitude and that persona and you're trying to uh, present yourself like that. Because if you're going to do that, the only glory you're getting is whatever glory you're putting into it. And the problem is, is when you put your own glory into it, there's not going to be good that comes out of that. Can I encourage, am I losing the mic here? All right, I'm going to use this and I'll stand still, all right? If you... Oftentimes, if you look at people who try to make something of themselves and try to lift themselves up, they might be able to lift themselves up in a good light, but there's always going to be negativity and going to be criticism. All of us are here today because I hope you feel that God has called you to do something in Christian work. I hope that for some of you, you're not here because mom and dad made you come here because you're missing out on the privilege and the honor of, of doing something out of uh, having the, the joy of the Lord. If you're here because someone's forcing you to be here, uh, don't do that to yourself. Find God's will for your life and, and run after it. But if you're here and God's called you here and you're 
enjoying the, the journey. I mean, how awesome and wonderful coming to Hiles Anderson College is, how exciting it is. I mean, yeah, there's some excitable things like school bills and uh, the financial withdrawal list and all those things that seem so overwhelming. But when you graduate and you look back, you'll not remember those difficulties. You'll remember the big days. You'll remember the bus routes. You'll remember the people that you had an opportunity to win to the Lord or people you had an opportunity to help, the people who rode your bus. And when you come back five to ten years later and they're still here, they're still coming to church. You know, that's encouraging. Boy, you'll remember that. and It'll really lift you up. But that doesn't happen if it's all about you. Because if you're going to make it all about you, you're going to miss what God is trying to teach you. Because when you're trying to make it about you now, when you're younger, when there's a little bit of uh, still some teaching that needs to be imprinted on your life, when you get older, if you're very stubborn and strong-willed now, that is not going to be a recipe for success later. Because the world right now is full of very selfish people who don't care really what you think. When we think about these words, these strife and vainglory, it is what the world is pushing so hard on us today. You can't watch the news without them telling you how they're right, the other people are wrong, and let me scream how loud, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm sorry, that just kind of turns me off right away. I don't want to hear anything you have to say if you have to yell to get your point across. Because if you're so positively right in your position, your position should speak for itself. It's like the Bible. So often we feel like we have to go way over the top to defend the Bible. But do you know who's the best defense of the Bible? It's the Bible. I don't have to do a lot because it says what it says. I don't need to argue with it. I don't need to try to convince people of it. Because God tells me if I will use the word of God, it won't return void into the ears of those people. It won't uh, make a mistake. It won't mess up because it will teach. It will help. It will instruct. It will exhort. And so if I go into a situation, I'm trying to make life all about me, and the world is seeing this, and the, the world is pushing this idea. Well, you make it all about you. It's, it's your life. You live the way you want. Try to make the most of it. Make it the most happy you can make it. That's vainglory. Because at the end of your life, what will you have to show for? Better yet, here's the question. When you get to the end of your life, what will you be living for? It's so sad when I see older people, and, and I'm not going to give an age, uh, especially with people having their 50th birthday today. But anyway, uh, sorry, Brother Nelson, I love you. But I know somebody's birthday coming up. Anyway, all right, I'm sorry. I'll be careful. Uh, uh, she'll beat me up. But anyway, um, uh, when you think about this, they, the world is just trying to push You'll be happy. And if you're happy, everything will be okay. That couldn't be further from the truth. Because when you're trying to be happy, you're going to feel very empty. Because when you're trying to be happy, there's only one person you care about, and that's you. And when you care about you more than anything else, that's when pride establishes its foundation. You say, what's the big deal about pride? Shouldn't I be proudful about a few things? I mean, I should be proud that I get to go to Hiles Anderson College. Well, sure, that's great. But does that mean we should ignore and not befriend and be kind to all the other Bible colleges that are out there? Does that mean we stand up and say, well, we're the best and they all stink? I'm sorry, why would I do that? It's not healthy, it's not helpful. 
It doesn't help them. It doesn't promote the atmosphere of a like-mindedness that God is trying to get. But yet that's what we do. We take a stand. We're right, they're wrong. We're just creating strife. I ask you this question. Uh, you've been here, many of you now, even if you're a freshman, you've been here long enough to hear Pastor Wilkerson talk. That's, that's not his personality. What can we do to get along? What can we do to try to help one another? What can we do to try to be friends with each other? Boy, I, one of the things I love about getting to go on tour in the summer is getting to meet all the other tour groups and getting to meet all the other people who God called them just like he called you. And God called them to the Bible college that they go to and to see how God is using them and how God is blessing them, how they're finding their mate for life, how God is sending them out in the ministry, how they're going out to the mission field, how they're preaching and being faithful just like we are. And boy, that ought to excite us. When you hear of somebody who has said, God has called me and I'm surrendered and I'm going to go, boy, that ought to get you excited. But what happens is, is when we try to make life about us, we let pride creep in and establish a foundation that you cannot tear down. And what happens is when pride comes in, Satan recognizes that and he jumps on it because pride is Satan's specialty. When Satan looked at God and said, look, what's so special about you? You created me to make music in heaven, and one day I realized that, well, I can make music that's about me just as I can make music about you. I can make myself equal with you, God. I've got some of the same abilities. I've got some of the same talents. Well, I can be equal with you. That's all about pride. God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to look at our life and say, hold it. I haven't arrived. I haven't learned everything I need to learn. I don't know everything I need to know. And everybody else out there has something I can learn from. When you realize that, that you don't know everything you need to know and that you aren't everything you think you are, it will get you to take a step back and say, what can I learn from today? I've had the privilege for the last 16 years to be teaching at Hammond Baptist and teaching in the music program in one form or fashion or another. Uh, I started when I was a senior in college, teaching there a couple days a week, and then uh, ever since, uh, right now I'm teaching fourth and fifth grade, and I've never done that before. Boy, let me tell you something. You want to learn some interesting things, just let some fourth and fifth graders start talking, and uh, you just start listening, and you're like, wow, I didn't know that was even possible, what you just said, but okay, I'll take your word for it. I've learned some things. I've learned some things about myself. I've learned some things that maybe I'm going to utilize and possibly use later with uh, my children. Ultimately, is this, is I understand that if I don't come into every situation realizing I am the expert that I think I am, I'm the one who knows everything I need to know, I might just learn something. Let me go on here. I don't want to belabor that. Look at verse 4. It says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I'll give you a few thoughts here about that things of others. Maybe some things that we can look at and learn from. Number one is when we look on other people and the things that they do, number one, we might learn something from them. You here while you're in college have the best opportunity to learn about things that you never think you might do. But if you'll just watch, you'll learn how to do it. 
First Baptist Church has so many different ministries and so many different groups of people and so many different ethnicities and we're beginning to start Spanish ministry, or excuse me, uh, Chinese ministries, and we're beginning to increase our Spanish church. That Our Spanish church is just growing leaps and bounds right now. You can see uh, uh, how to run a bus. You realize how privileged you are that while you're in college, you don't have the financial responsibility of pay- paying for your bus every week? I mean, the people that do are the people that sit in the pews there at First Baptist Church, and you ought to take a second and go learn from them and say, why is going to church important? And what is it that you do? And what is it that you're uh, a part of? How can I learn something from you? How long have you been attending here? I think about some of the wonderful people in our church. Uh, ladies, you have the opportunity to be influenced by Miss Gail Murhowski, who's been in our church her entire life. Her family, even her, her parents and grandparents went to First Baptist Church. You have an opportunity to learn from somebody who's seen just about everything. Uh, it's and you can learn from someone like that if you would just watch and ask. When you uh, have the privilege of being here, you have many friends and other people who are from many other kinds of churches. Ask them about their church. Ask them what they did for a, a, a bus ministry or what they did for a church ministry or how they did things. I, I think about uh, different churches that I see. I, I see Caden uh, Watford back here, their church. The way they do the bus ministry is in the afternoon time because of the way that their church building kind of sets up and just the way that things work. They do an afternoon bus route. I think it's about some of you who've been to your churches and just how you do things just a little different here and there. Why? Because it works. It doesn't mean that it's exactly the way to a T that you learned it in church ed, but you took some of those principles and you applied it and you said, hey, I can steal a little from that and apply it here and see how it works. Okay, that didn't work. Let's try this. All right, let's see if somebody else will help me be successful and learn and watch. But that doesn't happen if pride is there. Number two, (coughs) when you start to look at others, you encourage yourself. You say, what do you mean? Because you're not alone. Sometimes the most fearful thing in ministry is I'm all alone. I'm the only one out here serving God. I'm the only one who's ever spent time knocking doors in Chicago. I'm the only one who's ever run a bus and tried to fill it. I'm the only one who's ever struggled financially. No, look, you have a whole army of people that are here helping you. When you leave here, that army's going to get a lot smaller. And so when you start to look to others, boy, just be encouraged. I'm not alone. Just as God promised and just as God showed Uh, Through stories in the Bible, sometimes people got very discouraged. I'm all alone. No one's here to help me. God reminds them, no, there's people here. There's people there. There's people that are doing just what you're doing. Keep doing it. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Keep going. You might feel all alone, but you're not. I'm reminded of a story, and I shared this last Wednesday in our uh, 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 missions prayer meeting that happens every Wednesday morning at 630. You're welcome, Brother Snipes. My 20 bucks later. All right, but anyway... uh, it was $22, right? Okay, anyway. Um, but I shared this story. I heard Brother uh, and Mrs. Zaris talking to some other missionary friends a few months ago. Actually, it's over a year ago now. And they were talking about how God goes into places and there's still people preaching the gospel all around this world. And they talked about North Korea specifically. And they said, according to the North Korean government, what you have to understand is that dictatorship has been there for over 50 years. But even according to their own government, they have 50,000 Christians in prison today. 
wow, that's, that's oppression. No, that's 50 years ago, people didn't quit and give up when the regime got in place and said no more churches and no more God and no more any of that. They kept on going and they kept on sowing and witnessing and working and being powerful. And there's 50,000 Christians in North Korea today. That's incredible. Can I encourage you today? When you look at others, it will encourage you. There are people around this world that are doing exactly what you're doing. Then third, it'll remind me this. It'll remind me to stay humble. When I look at other people, it will remind me to stay humble. One of the privileges I get to have at working at First Baptist is getting to work with our widows and getting to help them. And uh, there are some amazing stories. And, and ladies, I, I, again, I encourage you. You have an opportunity to learn from people, some of them, uh, specifically the, the lady I'm going to talk about here for a second, Mrs. Virginia Bruick. She has been a widow now for more than she's, uh, put it this way, she's lived more than half her life as a widow. She came back from the mission field, and her husband died, and she just has stayed faithful. She's 92 years old and still teaches in the Junior 5 department at First Baptist Church. She's faithful. Boy, I think I've arrived and done something because I can get up and preach a sermon or I can preach in church. I can travel and tour. I can teach a class. I can lead the orchestra. But I, I've done nothing compared to that woman right there. She's learned to live all alone. She's learned that God is the best companion and friend that you can ever have. And she stays faithful. And she says, look, I'm going to get up on this Sunday morning, whether I feel like it or not, and I'm going to drive to church and I'm going to go help those fifth grade kids because somebody needs to do it. And when I start to look at others, it'll remind me, I am not as good as I think I am. I'm not as amazing as I thought I once was. Some of the best churches I've ever been to, some of the best preachers I've ever heard, some of the best Sunday school teachers I've met don't always come from the big, massive church come from little tiny churches where they're out in the middle of nowhere and God's just using them amazingly. God is doing a work through them. They're producing uh, 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 other Christians and they're being faithful to disciple and use what God has given them. And it reminds me, I might see it one way, but it doesn't mean that I'm right and they're wrong. It doesn't mean that I need to show them how bad they are and how they need to fix things. It shows me that God is faithful and he can use these people. And if I would just humble myself, maybe I'd learn something from them. Last, I'm going to give you this thought today, and then we'll be done, is look here with me through verses uh, 5 uh, through verse 9. It says, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name this last thought is when we put pride away God's perfect will will become apparent so many times in our life we let pride stand in the way of seeing what God really wants for our life Pride in the sense of, well, I know best. Just trust me. I'm 18. I know exactly everything I need to know in life. Now, we laugh, and, and we know better. You know, when we go out into the world, and we're 65, and we have that attitude, the 18-year-olds look at you and go, 
you think you still have arrived? You think you got everything all together? I know you say, well, they shouldn't think that way. That's cynical and hateful and mean. You know, when you go into a worldly place and into the world, you're going to meet worldly people who have worldly ideas. <clears throat> and our goal is not to walk up to them and say, hey, let me tell you how you're going to die and go straight to hell right now. It seems a little pointed, but they need someone who's going to show them by example a little bit of love and respect and not to have that pride that be a wall. We go into the world today, I see that pride will keep me from being what I'm supposed to be. I see pride keeping me from knowing, God, what it is that you want from me. I don't know why God would use us when you stop and think about it. Why wouldn't God just send the angels? Everybody would listen to an angel. Boy, I mean, if, they, if one appeared right here on the platform and he started talking and explaining exactly what God wanted to do, I think all of us would be listening. One, because it's like, wow, this, it's an angel. You know what God is trying to prove? You're more important than an angel. Because he said, I was God. But I wanted to show you how much I loved you. And I wanted to peel that away and become a man just like you. I wanted to walk the life that you would walk. I would want to go through the things that you would go through. I would want to experience the experiences you would have and enjoy. And I wanted you to realize at the end, I stayed obedient. Because it wasn't about me. It was about what I was called here to do. Some of you in this room today, God has been calling you and calling you and calling you to something. And you have been fighting and building the wall higher and taller and stronger. To the point where God is exactly what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians. Grieve not, quench not, excuse me, quench not the spirit. You have gotten to the point where God is trying to talk and you've built the wall so tall, you've put soundproof foaming on it so you don't have to hear God's call anymore. And he's not just calling you to Christian work. Some of you, you're sitting in this room and pride is keeping you from getting your salvation settled. Some of you, you're sitting in this room and today pride is keeping you who you've come for a year and I don't knock that at all. I'm very grateful that you kept a promise that you said I'd give my 13th year to the Lord. But you hear sermon after sermon after sermon and God is beating away at that wall and trying to knock it down and trying to get you just to realize I need to surrender. I need to stop trying to fight it. I need to stop trying to make it all about what I want. Well, I want to make money. Money means nothing if you don't have the will of God. I want to have nice things. They mean nothing because they'll all burn away in a moment. <clears throat> what I want is what God wants for me. I want to get to heaven one day and hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I don't want that just for me. I want that for you. Pastor Wilkerson wants that for you. He gets up here and he encourages you to go on your bus route, not because he's trying to get big numbers at the church, because he does not care about how many people come to church. He cares about, are we winning people to Christ? Are we influencing people? Are we discipling? Are we encouraging? Are we doing what we've been called to do? Some of us today, we're sitting here and God is calling. And he's been calling and calling and calling and calling and calling. And you're fighting and fighting and fighting. You would just take that pride and pull it away. You would see God's perfect will for your life. It would become apparent. It would become real and there would be nothing stopping you from helping to turn this world upside down. We feel like, boy, it's just impossible. Look how bad it's getting. 
it's not as bad as it was when the Bible was being written. I hope you realize we haven't gotten there yet. And if they could do it, what's our excuse? What's our reasoning when we stand before God and say, well, I really like that job I had. I mean, I was making like $45,000 a year. I mean, God, that's good money. I had the opportunity to make millions. I had the opportunity to do all kinds of amazing things, but you won't. Money will change you. Money will grab you. It'll twist you, chew you up, and spit you out. Whereas when you're sitting on your deathbed one day, they think about Brother Frank Garlock, who was a great hero of the faith that many of you didn't get to know as well, maybe as you should. He was uh, Shelley Hamilton, who is Patch the Pirate's wife. It's his, her dad. He's been a, a professor at Bob Jones University for, for decades. 60 years he's been preaching the gospel of Christ. He passed away last week. I bet you that was a very sweet day for him. Because a long time ago, he said, God, it's not about me. It's not about the talents that I have. It's about what can I do for you? If you want to keep that pride in your life today, you're going to keep the family of God divided. If you want to keep that pride today, you're going to keep from having your family to have peace and joy. You want to keep that pride today? You're going to keep fighting with yourself. It's never any fun. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Lord, I pray you please just help us. Lord, I know I don't stand here like I've arrived. Lord, the pride of life has gripped me more times than I can count. Lord, it's kept me from doing things because it's not what I wanted to do. It's it's, Lord, it, it was my desire. It was what I felt like I should be doing instead of doing what you called me to do. Lord, I, I hope that it, this message is not taken with, I'm trying to poke someone in the eye. Lord, I'm just trying to encourage them that as you promised, Lord, if we would present our bodies a living sacrifice, seeing your perfect will comes along with that. And Lord, when we see your perfect will, we can see so many wonderful things that would take place. Lord, we could see more churches that would be started we'd see missionaries on the mission field lord we'd see world leaders who maybe would come to the saving knowledge of christ lord i pray all these things not for our sakes lord ultimately it's for you because lord if we have pride then lord we can't have a good relationship with you lord if we would take that away that relationship with you would become so sweet it becomes so pure and precious and Lord, when that happens, there isn't anything we wouldn't do for you. Lord, we give our life willingly. Lord, we go to a mission field where maybe there's a possibility of losing our life. Lord, maybe we would go somewhere and maybe we'd lose relationships here on earth that maybe we shouldn't have to begin with. Lord, I pray that you'd please just take that pride and that you would remove it from us. And Lord, you would cast it away so that, Lord, we would have that like-mindedness, that one-mindedness with you. Lord, so that it would take the strife away, it would take that vainglory, and it would make it all about you.